Father, right now, we thank you, Lord, for this message, Father. We thank you, Lord, for everybody in this room and everybody watching, Father, that they would have their minds set on you, Father. For you are the word, Father. The religious system is worshiping the book, but they're not worshiping the author, Father. We need the author of the book to understand the book. We need the author of the, of the book to know the context of everything that's written in the book. If we don't know the author, we don't know the book. That's it. That's plain and simple. If you don't know God, you cannot preach to me. You cannot teach to me. You cannot talk to me about God because you don't know God. See, I can tell you something, but if you understand it in another context or another heart of what it's actually, what I'm actually saying, you will misunderstand me. And that's why there starts to be envying strivings. We're going to get into that scripture where it says, for are you not carnal? For where there's envy and strivings, you are in the flesh. See, if you, if we actually, there's actually offenses and things that come from misunderstandings. That's the worst offenses because your brother and sister didn't give you a stumbling block. You put a stumbling block on your mind because your carnal mind will twist everything. And God told me this today, that the flesh is the swimming pool of Leviathan, period. There's doors, but... Basically, if you're living in your mind, if you're living in the carnal realm, if you're living in the, the realm of your soul, you are going to, Leviathan's going to be all over you. Because if we do not see through the eyes of the Lord, we're seeing through the eyes of Leviathan. What is Leviathan? It's that, it talks about in the Old Testament, that twisting serpent, that twist motives, that twisty intentions that makes you think something that's not there, that gets you offended, that starts to show you the context of the world through the eyes of the devil. But when we start to live through the eyes of God, we purge the deeds of the eyes of Leviathan. We start to see different. We need to see different. That's why it says, know no man by the flesh, but know every man by the spirit. But how can you know every man by the spirit? See, it's like you can't, come, you can't be in the spirit one day and see your brother and know them in the spirit and know they're a son of God and know their position and know that. But then the next day be in the flesh and expect to think the same way. Because when you're in the flesh... Your mind starts to take over and starts the old nature comes back. The old eyes that you used to have, you start judging your brother. And God, God um, gave me a post last night. I put it on Facebook. It says, if you're jealous of your brother, you're going to judge your brother. Because when you're jealous, you get in the flesh and then you start judging by carnal eyes. You start to see them by what they do, by their flaws and not who they are and not what God's thinking about them. It doesn't matter if your brother struggles with A, B, and C and has this flaw and that flaw. How does God feel about them in that moment? God's going to deal with their, their flaws. God's going to deal with their issues. But what is God dealing with them right now? He might be pleased with them. God's pleased with you. Are you perfect? No. God's, we see, he's, he's perfecting us into his perfection. We're perfect because he is perfect, but now our, our soul needs to be renewed. Our body needs to get in, in accordance with our spirit. So we have a part of us that is perfect. Our spirit, man, has been made. We talked about this last message, the new creation. But now we're perfecting the mind to think like Christ. We're perfecting the body to walk like Christ, to feel like Christ, to, to, to do the things of God even but it comes from within. The kingdom of God is within. It's not without. It's not something that you can do. It's something that you live right here inside of your spirit. We need, to, we need to get this. This message is called, In Him We Live. I was actually going to call this message, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about carnal Christians today too. And that was what the message was going to be called, carnal Christians. But God told me to name it, In Him We Live. Just like that scripture. It says, in him we live and have our being. But how can I live in God if I have carnal thoughts about God? 
How can I live in God if I only see him my own way? How can I live in God if I keep looking at that Catholic poster that they post everywhere that they probably will post when the New World Order and the Antichrist take over? And they're going to say, this is God. They're going to maybe they'll even bring a man because they're going to try to imitate the coming of Christ. Even as so, maybe they're going to bring a man with long hair. But carnal Christians are going to be deceived by it. They're going to give in and think it is Christ because they're even preaching doctrines that say that we're called to take over, that the, coming, the second coming has already come, and now we're coming into the millennial reign where Christ is going to come on the horse and he's going to reign. And they're waiting, even, not even just the Jews are waiting for another Messiah, even Christians are waiting for the Messiah to come here on earth. But he said he will end it. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That this world is like an image of Sodom and Gomorrah. He has to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah before he can bring the new Jerusalem. He needs to, there's, the, the book of Revelation is about a book of victory, but he has to get, purge the evil before he can bring in the light. We are the light, but I'm talking about the light in the systematic form, in the, in the, where God, Jesus actually takes over in the flesh, not just, see, he's taken us over in the spirit. He has a kingdom now, and it's within, and it's amongst those who are within and in him, but it's not established on the earth like on the news where you can see there's godly preachers there's all these people no it's still the devil's thing it's still the devil so we haven't seen that day yet but that's what they're expecting so they're even expecting the messiah the people who preach the seven mountain mandate that you are to go to and take over the systems of the world because jesus is about to rain on them no he's going to take them out He's going to judge the harlot. He's going to judge the dragon, the seven-headed beast, which is the systems of this world. And he's going to bring them to shame. That way he can start over. He can bring the garden down on this earth again. He can, he can, bring his, he can allow his children now to take over and take the land. But he cannot fellowship with darkness. He, what does the temple of God have in common with the temple of Baal, with the temple of Satan? None. So we need to actually, we, it needs to be God. But see, even the devil was trying to show Jesus, look, here's the systems of this world. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. Trying to show them, trying to, but he already knew it was going to be his. He just knew he had to take out the, the, the leader, the devil. He, could, he cannot take the system and have two gods fighting amongst us in the system for control. No, he has to remove the one and, and for us to love the other. It says you must pick your, choose your God. You must remove the one and love the other. You must remove the flesh and love the spirit or one is going to take you over. And if you do not choose the spirit, if you don't purge out the flesh, it's going to take you over because God is a gentleman. He's not going to take over like a, a, um, a what do they call that? Like a, uh, I forget there's a word for it. Somebody who's like very controlling and just takes over. Anyway, he's not going to be like, but the devil doesn't care. What was it? dictator. He's not a dictator. The devil's a dictator. The devil comes in and he says, I don't care about your will. I don't care what you want. I don't care how much you want. God, I'm going to deceive you. I'm going to take your mind. But God says, no, submit to mine and you can have mine. But the devil doesn't care about your submission. He will make you submit. So you need to submit to God. So really, it's not about just being set free from the devil. We need to be set free to be free on him. That's real freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's not just freedom of not being a part of those things. See, we need to be set apart, but we're set apart unto God, not just set apart to be set apart because really we're still going to be taken by the devil because he's just going to deceive us another way. People think they're set apart from the world and they become a Mormon. They become, uh, what's those other guys with the big beards and they don't drive cars and they do all these weird things? 
Amish and all that. They become all these things and they're saying, well, I'm set apart, brother. No, you're not. You're religious. You're actually, the religion is actually the worst devil in this nation, honestly, because you could be hooked on drugs, hooked on meth. I've seen too many people on the streets of America where you come to them and you preach the gospel. They're on meth, they're on coke, and they say, well, I got my salvation, brother. No, you don't. You're dead, dry bones. You are, what is it? What is this? Got my salvation? Set a prayer. That's from the church. The church has brought in all these homeless people. They got them to say a prayer. Oh, wow, how amazing. All the seven guys from the, homeless, from the, from the Salvation Army, they came and they got saved. But they didn't get saved from nothing. They just got a ticket into a heaven that they probably might not even be going to. Because really, to be, and Shane even said it in this morning, uh, this message I also, and other also had, because Jesus is really our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, but there's an enduring till the end. But really, saved is not the prayer. Saved is filled with his spirit and fire. Because his spirit consumes me and takes me over and makes me a new creation. and makes me a new creature. And old things pass away and all, and all things become new. But that, that's called the renewing of the spirit. And then the fire comes in to purge my flesh. If they don't have that, they're not in him. How can they be in him and say, Lord, Lord, I never knew you. Because I was never in you. If I'm not in you, how are you going to know me? I need to be in you. And then we, we're in God, right? We, we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And many, and I, there's many times where I, I said before to people, just because you have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're walking in him. Just because you have the Spirit doesn't mean you're walking in the Spirit or even have the mind of the Spirit. Okay, we get this spiritual pride. He saved us. He made us born again. And we say, I'm sealed. Yes, you are sealed. But the seal is the Holy Ghost. So if you actually walk away from him, from the Holy Spirit, he's not leaving you and forsaking you. You're leaving him and forsaking him. So you, what, what you live by, this body is going to return to the dust. Our spirit man is going to return to, the, to God. If we live by this body, we're going to die with this body. We're going to go to the dust too. We're going to go. It says, be fear the one who can cast the soul and the, and the spirit into hell forever. See, we need to, it doesn't, ma it doesn't matter if you have the Holy Ghost. You need to walk in him. Watch this. Romans 8. I'm going to skip ahead. Now, if any man have not the spirit of God. No, no, wait, let's we'll go a little forward. Nine. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now listen to this. Everybody takes this scripture and says, well, I'm in the spirit, brother. Because why? If so, the spirit of God dwell in you. Well, I'm in the spirit, brother, because I got baptized. I have the Holy Spirit and I am led by the spirit in everything I do. It's automatic, brother. No, it's not automatic. You can be in Christ. It says there is, and the earlier scripture says, there is therefore no condemnation to those in, in Christ Jesus. But then they always leave out this part. And we've talked about this many times. For those that walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. See, just because you've been born again, just because he's filled you and, and, and he's living in your spirit, now you actually have to start to live by your spirit and not by your, your body, not by your, not by your flesh, that, not by your soul. See, that's the thing. We're living in the soul realm. That's why we have soulish things that are, are becoming idols. That's why we have soul ties, because we live in our soul. The only way you can stop yourself from having soul ties or even getting a soul tie, because you, just because you get set free from something doesn't mean you can't go back into something, but you need to be set free from your soul altogether and not live by it. See, 
the soul, the body, because it still needs to be renewed. Uh, God told me this. Your flesh is an offense machine. Your flesh is a lust machine. Your flesh is a machine full of sin, and all it wants to do is sin. So when you live by the flesh, you will die. It says, says that, and, and Adam, he got put out of the garden, and it said that he died, but he didn't die physically. He died spiritually with his connection to God because he sinned. Sin, our flesh just wants to sin. For no pl- flesh shall please God, because the flesh is at enmity with the Spirit. That's the Bible. I'm, that's not even my own words. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of what? Sin. So you cannot, he quickens the mortal body, but you cannot use this body and try to live from there to live for him. You need to live by the spirit and then he will take over your body. See, he says, if you abide in me, you shall bear my fruit. What it, the, it's called the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's not called the fruits of Joe. It's not called the fruits of you. It becomes your fruits when you become one with him and you start to become one with the fruit and bear the fruit yourself, but it's because you're in him. See, it says when we abide in the vine. See, we're now the branches. He's the vine. He's the, he's the source that brings the sap of the root and feeds it so that way the oranges or whatever the tree is starts to grow. Whatever you are starts to grow. See, out of abiding is the place that we actually start to live and do the things that we do, and it starts not to be dead because it's all come from the tree of life. Now the tree of life is in you, and you're actually becoming a, a tree of life because it says that it's, to be in the Spirit is light, joy, peace, and the righteousness and the Holy Ghost. To, it is to, be, to have the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Now you are called to be life and peace. Now the nations are called to eat from your fruit and taste and see and see the day of their salvation. But that's by being one with the vine. And you start to become so ripe. You start to become so, so juicy and tasteable. And you have the salt of the earth and people want to eat it. That's what starts to bring. It's not just the gifts. People have tried many too, ta- too many times to just bring the gifts and save people. People try to bring the, the, the fault. I, I don't even, they're not even fruit because how can you really have the real fruit of Christ but not have the gifts? Because it's the same spirit that operates all, all those things. So when they come with their false fruits, they, they try not to use the gifts and they try to come with this false love. Oh, don't, don't, don't preach them like that, brother. Let's just play worship for them. Let's just talk to, let's just say how much God loves them and God loves them and God loves them. No, God is love. Your hypocritical, pharisaical character is not love. It's this, it, he is now love. He is this, it says God is love, but what does it say? God is spirit. So he's actually love, but really this. If you really want to think about it, you really want to get technical and people are going to want to stone you. There's actually really a spirit of love, but it's God. It's the spirit of God. He's the spirit of life. If you actually go in the scripture, you can see many things that the spirit of God is called. He's the counselor. He's the helper. He's he's my my strong tower in time of need. He's all these things. It calls you can go in the Bible. I, I remember seeing a whole thing. It's even in the book where I pulled out all the things that the spirit of God is called. It's like a page and a half. The spirit is life. The spirit is this. The spirit is that. He is a healer. The spirit, just the spirit of God. Now it's Emmanuel, God with us. Now he's within us. You keep waiting for him to come down from there, but he's right there. And you need to live in him. Not just in church, not just around your brothers and sisters. When you wake up in the morning, see, we even have to put ourselves under bondage of religion again because we can't even be in the spirit because 
And we have to wake up and say, well, I'm just going to make sure I pray and start my day off. You shouldn't have ended in him. You should have, you should have, you need to be in him 24 seven or else it says, do not go to bed angry. You'll start to go to bed in the flesh. I don't care if you go angry or lustful. The devil, that's, that's why you're having dreams like no other. That's from Satan. That's the truth. I'm not talking about when Satan tries to come and tries to mess you up or tries to, and you're doing, and you're in the spirit and you're moving. But there's times where unnecessary dreams and visions are birthed because we're in the flesh. And when flesh starts to get in our heart, the devil's like, oh, well, he's in agreement with this. So I'm allowed to, I have authority now. You have authority. But when you actually start to come in agreement with darkness, you're actually giving darkness authority. The devil doesn't have authority. He died 2,000 years ago on the cross. But it's when you let him live. And when we live in the spirit, when we live in him, we start, the devil has no power. And he's, he's, he's done. Like those preachers say, oh, don't focus on the devil. Because he's done. He's been, he's been boom, whatever, gone on the cross. But if you're not living on the cross, he's not done. He's, he, he's not gone. He, when to, it says that the cross, right, what, he, what Jesus did on the cross is where he took hell, death, and the grave. So the cross is where that is actually present, where that's actually, where that's actually manifestation. So I actually need to live by the cross to actually live in that constantly and live in that 24-7 victory. You can live in 24-7 victory. Don't let anybody else tell you. Not saying there's not a fire, not saying there's not things that come, but you are called to be an overcomer. He is the overcomer of the world, and now we're called to be an overcomer. We are co-heirs with, with Christ. He, he is the image of God. We are called to look just like him because we are made in the image of God, and now we're being conformed into the image of God. Now he's, he's the Savior. Now I'm a Savior of the Savior. He's an overcomer. Now I'm an overcomer. He's the Son of God, and now I'm a Son of God. He was the seed, and I'm the fruit, and what comes out from the fruit is more seed. He sowed himself so that he can reap you. And now you sow yourself into the nations that they would start to reap and you and that you would start to reap them in the spirit that and they would start to reap more. This is how revival happens. This is how things start to happen as we. That's why it says we're called to be a living sacrifice. Do you know the benefits? Do you know the big deal about being a living sacrifice? You're a seed now. And there's called something seed, time and harvest. When you plant yourself, there's going to be a time where the, the, you start to get a harvest of the kingdom of God. You start to get a harvest of power. You start to get a harvest of anointing. And then there's the time where he cuts the fruit, where he purges the tree. And then you have to plant yourself again. You have to plant your fruit again. And then more fruit, more fruit. See, time and harvest is a time you plant yourself. And then there may be a time where you're flourishing. There's so many fruit. But then there's a time where you feel like, okay, it's, it's not, you look back on the season and you're like, what? It's not going like that, okay? No, you're in the purging. You need to die. Whatever he's giving you, whatever he's put, make, forcing you, whatever the fire is conforming you to put on the altar now, now needs to die. You plant yourself as a living sacrifice again. Then more fruit comes. Then more fruit comes. Then it multiplies. Then, I see when, I, and Shane had this, this, this uh, thing long ago, this message long ago about the garden. And he said, and when we really, when I need, there's a garden in your heart that's actually starting to form in your mind. That's starting to form. When I, if when I see your heart in the spirit, when I see your mind in the spirit, I need to see trees of life. I need to see fruits. I need to see. It needs to be seen. You can actually start to see people in the spirit. You don't even need it when you're actually in the spirit. It says a spiritual man judges all 
things. And he can be judged by no man. So when you're in the spirit, you can actually start to see. You don't even need to hear them speak. You don't even need to be around them. Oh, I need to be around them to, to approve of them. I need to be around them to know. No, you start to know because it says the spirit of God knows all things. And Paul said, now because of that, now I know all things. Now by the spirit, not that he knows all things. He can just pull out whatever. No, in time, God gives us what we need to know in every given moment. And he starts to show us. It's called the gift of the sermon. He starts to show us what's going on in the person, what you see, what fruits, where they're coming from, what spirits, what this. Because a spiritual man judges all things because he knows all things because the spirit of God knows all things. He is the great judge. He knows what what to do. He knows what not to do in a situation. And now he lives within you. In him you live and breathe and have your being. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. This needs to be, we've talked about this so many times and I'm tired of talking about every message. And then I see people in the flesh and I see people, oh, why, 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 why this God? Why is it so hard to overcome a fence? Why is it so hard to overcome this thing, that mountain that I'm going around? There's no mountains in the spirit. There's no offense in the spirit. There's no anger in the spirit. And I'm not saying there's not going to be times you get need to stumble, but then you need to get back in the spirit. Because if you try to stop doing that stuff in the flesh, the flesh, the flesh is not in no agreement with the fruits of, of God, of the Spirit. You are going to keep struggling and struggling. There's no struggle in God. The only good struggling that there is is when it's like Jacob when he, when he wrestled with God. And God, there's, there's a time for that, and it's anointed, and there's a submission, and there's a time of the fire where you submit to the fourth man in the fire. But some of us, we start in the Spirit and we end in the flesh. We get in the fire, and the fire ends up burning us because we're not submitting to the fourth man in the fire. See, you get stuck in the fire. Some people are in the fire for three months when you could have only just been in there for three days like they were. But because you were, and sometimes what happened with Jesus? He was led into the wilderness to be tempted. How about that? And it even says, pray that you would not enter into temptation. There's times where actually you're being led into temptation. But it says, that we cannot be tempted unless it is by our own desires and fleshly lusts. See, there's times where actually we're even, we're even led into things to face things. We're even led into things to say no and break the agreement with the thing. That way God can purge it out of you. See, it's a whole deal of agreements. There's been hidden agreements that we made with the world all of our lives, and we don't know that it may not be of God or we just may have not seen it in us. And there's a time where God has us face it and say, no, I'm not going to agree with that jealousy. I'm not going to agree with this, that, or the third. That's it. And then God starts to break the stronghold. That, I don't care if you're, it's, then there's going to be times. There's going to be, it's, it's an enduring till the end. You're going to have to, what is enduring? Enduring is not just sitting in the same place and going to the same thing all the time. It's about enduring temptation, enduring the process, enduring the fire, enduring the persecution, enduring when even my most loved brothers are in the flesh and I don't like it, enduring all those things for the sake of Christ. He died for us, and how can we not die now for him? To live. When we die, he lives. But we can live in him now, but we can't even die in our, in our flesh by our flesh. It says, mortify the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. So when I'm in the Spirit... I start to, and God starts to bring up things by the fire, I actually start to have this, 
I actually start to have this will that's like, no, I'm because your spirit's in agreement with the will of God. Then you start to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to. Then you start to resist Satan and he starts to flee because you're submitted to God. But guess what? The key there is the reason why you're resisting Satan and he's not fleeing is because you're not submitting to God. You need to submit to God. You need to be. How can you say no to the flesh when you're not walking in the spirit? That's going to be the answer. That's always going to be the thing. Reoccurring things. I'm not saying there's going to not be things that you're going to stumble upon. You might mess up. You might even be in the flesh for a few days. But if you want to stop the reoccurring going around the mountain, it says by faith, you can, by the mustard seed of faith, you can tell that mountain to go in the sea. But when I'm in the flesh, I start to always, I will, I can try to obey the Bible. I can try to say, okay, I'm supposed to have faith. Go. I command this thing to go. I'll command that thing to go. But then you have unbelief. Father, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, your spirit believes, your flesh doesn't believe. So maybe you're actually on two, have two hands going here. Maybe you're actually partnering with God, but then partnering with the flesh at the same time. And you're believing one minute, then the next day you're not believing. Then you make a, a vows in the spirit. When you're in the spirit, you start to say, this is going to happen or I'm going to do this. And you break the vows because you're in the flesh now. Because in the flesh, oh, maybe I was in the flesh. Then you're in the flesh, and you're like, ah, I think I was in the flesh that day. No, you were in the spirit, but now you need to repent. See, when it was saying repent, it wasn't just saying repent of your sins. You need to repent of your sins for sure, but you also need to repent of how you're even living. That's how you're living by external standards and how you're living by what you see and what you hear and by what you think. You need to let the mind of Christ start to be your mind. It happens when we live... By the Spirit, he starts, to, he starts to influence our thoughts. And then when other thoughts come, carnal thoughts come, what is it? I actually read it this morning again. It says, right, it says, take every thought into subjection. Or it, it says, cast down every imagination and take it into, but it also says this. We always forget this part. Take every thought into subjection to the obedience of Christ. Take it to Christ. Leave it at the feet of Jesus. See, we need to start to leave things at the feet of Jesus and walk away and, and, and let him start to deal with it. And we keep trying to figure out, how, okay, how do I stop thinking like this? How do I stop feeling like this? No, you need to put it at his feet. And then he will start to live in you. But then, the, see, it's like the mind, right? Every high thought. And Christ lives within you. You need to take those high things and bring them low. You need to take the pride in your mind. See, what really is birthing the pride is, your, is the way you think, the way you act, or not, or not the way you act, but the way you, you, you're, you have your intentions. Everything inside your heart and mind is what births pride. And, and we all have, just saying, we all got a form of pride that we need to break, but it's because we're still being renewed. We still have the carnal mind to break. Even some may have less pride because they've been in the spirit for a while. They've been following God. They've been receiving. They've been letting the word break them. And they're a lot more walking in humility. And others, they're not. Well, what have they been doing this whole time? Have they been submitting? Have they been under the word? Have they been, or have they been 30 years in the church, but in the flesh in the church? That's a carnal Christian. If you've been in the church 30 years and you still can't even get from the milk of the word, you are carnal. And I know that some of us are like, oh, you call me carnal because I do this. I hate to say it, but yeah, because it's right here in the Word. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 7. 
And I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying whatever, but you need to start, we need to break our carnality. I'm not, I, I know we're all in the spirit. Great. Now, but we need to continue to walk by the spirit or else something is going to start feeding us. Our carnal mind is going to start taking over again. And that's where you start to have a seared conscience. You can get a seared conscience even after you've been saved. Because saved isn't necessarily just going there like we said before, but saved is actually being put in his bosom. Saved is actually now I've actually been saved from something. Now I'm not doing that anymore. Now I don't have, even want to do those things anymore. And even when you do things as a saved person, your flesh may want to do things, but your heart's like, no, I don't want to do it. And there's that thing where Paul talks about, I do the things that I don't want to do and the things that I do, I do do, whatever, all those things. But see, that's how you know you're saved. But when you're not saved, you're your flesh and your heart, your spirit, they all want to do it. There's no, there's no hope. But when he saves you, you start to get set free from things, and then you start not wanting to do things, and then you start recognizing more things, and you start to hate what he hates and love what he loves. If you don't hate what he hates and love what he loves, you are probably not born again. Because how can that be so? If you hate what he hates, and I'm not saying there's, there's growing in that, but you start to hate sin itself and say, I don't, you start to come to realize you don't want to sin anymore. You don't want to do these things anymore. But now, and then you start to grow. Now, I, and, and then God starts to show you, well, this is not right. This is blah, 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 blah. And you start, and you start to grow in hate of the world. You start to grow in the hate of darkness. And you start to grow in the love of the things that God loves. See, it's a growing thing. It's a maturity and I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. He had to speak to them carnally because they were carnally minded. A church in the New Testament, he had to dumb things down for them because they were carnal. How about the book of Revelations many times because of the things they were, because of their carnality. You know, carnality is actually the breeding ground of, for spirits. Jezebel, Leviathan. All these things. Even God's, I got this when I got, because earlier I got the flesh is the swimming pool of Leviathan. He also told me Leviathan feeds off the flesh. You are always under Leviathan because you are always under the flesh. You are always living by the carnal mind. The carnal mind is at enmity with the spirit. When you live by the carnality, when you live by the flesh, the, then that's when, because spirits have no power, uh, over us unless by flesh and blood, by the flesh and blood that we give them. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but the way spirit starts to get strongholds and start to get uh, footholds on us is by the flesh and blood that we start to exalt and come in agreement with, and they start to take authority. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. They weren't even able to bear the milk of the word. Why? Because they were carnal. They were not deep. They were not filled. They were not, they were probably, when Paul came around, they were probably like, yeah, let's get in the spirit. All right, God. And things, and he's probably seeing nice things and all that. That's, what is that? That's called respecters of persons. When you only get it in the spirit because certain people are around, because you don't want to be, maybe you don't want to be exposed, or maybe you don't want to be seen, or maybe you're trying to impress, that is respecters of person. And if you're respecting persons, you're pleasing persons. You're pleasing people when you're respecting people by the flesh. You need to be constantly, constantly in reverence to the Holy Ghost. And the reason why our fleshly, reason why our honor, we start to see some of us start to honor in the flesh because we haven't got that reverence for Christ where we start to see Christ and our brother and actually honor them rightly. 
You're honoring in the flesh because you're living in the flesh. When, you, when, you, when we honor in the spirit, the spirit actually starts to move on it and starts to do things and starts to bless. Like, that, like what we were just playing earlier, that was honoring in the spirit and God moved on it. There was oil. There was, the spirit was on it. But when we're carnal, we're like, well, I haven't honored so-and-so for a while, so let me um, do something for him or let me do something in the flesh. Or let me, and God's not even on it because why, how are you going to have right honor when your heart is, your heart's not even there with them? See, honor really comes from the heart. It's not something you, just because you do it on the outside, spiritual people can see right through it. They can feel it. And they can feel when you're not being genuine. They can feel when you're just trying to put up a front. But when it's really God, everybody starts to feel the presence of God. Everybody starts to feel the presence, even through a video or whatever the case may be. True honor comes from the one that we honor. When we, it's, it, our brother or sister is in Christ, the only way we can honor them is if we're in Christ too. How can the carnal mind that's at enmity with the mind of the Spirit ever honor something? How can the flesh ever honor something of the Spirit? It can never happen. You cannot do it. How can you walking in the flesh honor somebody that's walking in the spirit? It's whatever. God has, has things, but we need, to get, we need to start to get deep about things. We need to start to actually have things that actually are coming from the fruits of the spirit that actually come from our spirits that actually bring something. That actually, it's actually genuine. A lot of our fruit in the church is all artificial. It's all artificial. And then we, we look joyous, we look happy, we look this, but we're actually in the flesh. Because it's not coming from within. It's not coming from your heart. It's actually just you acting, just you. And then you actually start to fool yourself and you're like, what do you mean? I'm happy. I'm jo- what, do you, what do you mean you're seeing this, you're seeing that? I'm good. What do you, I'm doing good. Huh? Well, no, you're not doing good. Because in your heart you're bound. You know you're bound. You know you're bound. You're just putting... It's what we do. We disguise ourselves. We put on a mask. We put on a mask to show everybody, we're good. Don't touch me. The prophet, the apostle comes around, don't know. I'm good, man. Look. No, man. You, if you try to fool a real five-fold minister or somebody, even, it doesn't have to be a five-fold minister, just somebody in the spirit, they'll see right through it. They'll take that mask and rip it right off, and you're going to get smacked right back in the face. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, we need to actually start to live from within, and what's within will actually start to show what's without. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and... Let's skip that. We did that already. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there... Get, listen to this part, because this is the whole thing that God's been having on my heart all week, this scripture right here. All week I've been getting this, and I even try to avoid it. Or okay, maybe I'm just getting... A, no, and then it comes back to my spirit. No, because God is speaking. He's speaking to the house. He's speaking to the body of Christ. If, the, if you are like this, you are a carnal Christian. I don't care if you've been saved. You, how have you been living? Have you been living? Okay, the Savior is now coming to you, but every day he needs to save me because every day the devil has his arrows aimed at me. He has those fiery darts aimed at me. He's ready to take me out. And if I don't submit to the Savior tomorrow, then the conqueror and destroyer will come and take me out tomorrow instead. I need, to live, I need to live by the Savior every day. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying. And you can add all day to this. He's just hitting on a few. Maybe Paul was just seeing a few things that was in particularly in that church. Whereas is among you envying, strife, divisions. Are you not carnal? 
Because these are the things of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. If you're doing these things, you're not in the Spirit. You're in the flesh. If you're, if you're continuing to get offended, if you're continuing to divide, if you're starting rivalries and you're starting and you're getting jealous, it's because you're living by your old nature. That's just the, plain, that's just the facts. Like I said, you can get tempted, but when you're in the spirit, you're an overcomer. You overcome that thing. But when you're constantly governed by it, and when the, even the devil, he knows when you're out of the spirit. In him we live and breathe. He knows when you're not in him. He sees it, and then he comes. Oh, he's not in him. Let's get him. Temptation, that's why temptations come. How come that scripture doesn't come to pass? Because you can read it all the time, and even when I was a young Christian, I read it all the time and never understood it because I could never live it. And it would say, when you are tempted, God will make a way out of it. He will actually lead you out of the temptation. Just like he did with Jesus, he led him into temptation and out of temptation without coming in agreement with anything that was, it, was there. But when the devil sees you're out of the spirit and he sees you in your own strength, he comes and he pounds you with temptation. And you can try for so long to be, to muster up strength in your flesh, to try to resist the devil, try to, but in him we live and breathe. In him, we resist the devil. In him, we have the power to overcome. In him, we trample upon serpents and scorpions and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. We bring it into subjection to God. Everything is under his feet, but we need to bring everything inside of us under his feet for us to have the same power and for everything to start to be under our feet. See, when somebody is living in, a, in a, such an authority to where everything starts to be under their feet and everywhere they go, God starts moving and, and, and grooving things and getting things out of the way and starting to place things. That's how you know they're living with the devil under their feet. When you're living with the devil, when the devil's not under your feet, your feet you're going to start to live in defeat. When the devil is not under your feet, he's going to be over your head and he's going to hold everything, every, so, every sin that so easily entangles you over your head. And he's going to say, but you're doing this, but you're doing that. Oh, there's no condemnation, but you're doing... No, you need to repent. You need to, you need to purge out the darkness. It doesn't matter how many times you try to rebuke the accuser. If he has something that is actually true, he will start to be effective. And if you're believing lies, you're believing lies, and you need to... That's, that's sin too, believing lies. Believing something that doesn't come from God. But if you're... At that point, the devil's allowed. He's allowed to come in. For you are not counted for whereas there is among you envying strife, the visions. You are carnal, and you walk as men. You walk as the old you. You walk as the you that has not been transformed. For while one saith, I am Paul, and here's another example of carnality when we do this. For one say that I am of Paul, of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who is then Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted Apollos, watered, but God gave the increase. God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth increase. When we start to respect men, when we start to have factions, when we start to favor a certain person. See, there's difference when you're in the spirit and God is particularly focusing, has you particularly focusing on a certain person for whatever reason or honoring a certain person for whatever reason. That's different. That's God's. Uh, actually, when you're honoring the spirit, that's actually not even you honoring anymore. It's God now honoring that person. I want to honor people when God's honoring people, not when, when I'm honoring people, because when I'm honoring people, it's actually a hidden agenda because I'm trying to actually get them to see me different. Oh, I'm good. Or 
we're friends, right? Or try to gain their respect. You cannot gain respect by being a respecter of persons. People will start to respect you when they see God in you because the only thing that we're supposed to have reverence for and respect is God himself. When I see God in you, I will start to respect you because you're hidden in Christ in God. But when you're not hidden in Christ, I cannot, I'm going to love you, but I cannot come in agreement with you. And how can there, how can I have peaceful, I'm not saying you can't have fellowship, there's a time you long suffer with people, there's a time you bear with people, but it cannot actually be peaceful unless God is at peace with you, with them, with me. See, our, it's, we're actually holding on, the Bible talks about the bond of peace. See, we think we keep the bond of peace. Yes, we, there's two parts of it. We need to keep our hearts right. We need to keep our hearts right with our brother or sister, but we also need to keep our hearts right with God. Because if God, okay, I may not be offended with anybody in this room or anybody that's listening or whatever, but if, I, if I'm an offense onto the kingdom, God has a problem now. And now if I'm his child and he has a problem with something in someone, he's going to actually start to make it my problem if I'm called to deal with it. Because, and then he starts to won't let even the messenger have peace until he, because it says to that one prophet, he says, if you do not deliver, the blood is on your hands. He starts to make it, when, when God can't start to reach somebody, he starts to send his people in his body. See, God really wants to start to talk to us and lead us, but we need the five. I was telling someone the other night, when we, we need the fivefold ministers and all that because there's too much flesh in the body. We're growing into the full stature of Christ. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I hear my Father or I see my Father doing it. That's where we're getting to, and we're not there yet. I'm telling you, we're not there yet. Because if we always did what He was doing and we always said what He was saying, we would, we would start to be, God would start to quicken things, God would start to move things. People would actually start to be able to raise up into whatever they're called to. But because there still needs to be this, there's still the old man still needs to die. The, the image of the beast still in our mind still needs to die. The image of religion even, our own thinking of how, how it's supposed to be, how Christ is supposed to be, it will start to hinder us. And I'll show you how it starts to hinder us because God calls us to do something. But because our mind is like, well, God wouldn't do that. Then here comes the mind getting away and you quench the spirit and you're like, no, that was, that's not God. You start to actually unknowingly call things that are not of God, that you start to actually, or things that are of God, you start to say it's not God. And God has grace on us because he knows we're trying to obey, but he's, what, we have this deformed mind that still needs to be reformed, that needs, still needs to conform and be transformed. <laughs> we, still, <laughs> we still have this carnal mind. That's why we need to break it because we need to get, we cannot just, yes, or whatever, new creation in our spirit, but we need the mind now to come in agreement or else it will always be a hindrance until we die. I don't want to just barely make it until the end. I don't want to just barely say, I got to say no to the mark because I can't. I want to be like, no, I'm not taking that mark. No, I'm going to endure to the end. That's when you start to get that confidence, when your soul's not in your ear anymore. Some of you still are playing that thing like you see in the movies where Satan is in one side and God's in the other. Oh, but this is what you're supposed to do. Oh, but maybe you shouldn't do it. Oh, no. No. We, that's, where, that's why we need the renewing of the mind because then that little demon starts to come off our shoulder. That little spirit, that little voice of Leviathan, that strange voice starts to disappear and we start to appear in Christ. But we need to purge out the flesh. Galatians 5, 1 through 26. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, 
and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. See, they were now in Christ. They were now in the spirit. And now they're going back to circumcision. Why? Because now they started in the spirit. They ended in the flesh. Now they're trying to please God again by doing things. That's what it really is to please God in the flesh by doing things, doing things, doing, 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 but never being re- having the renewing. See, we need, we, we need to do things out of the renewing in our spirits and in our minds. That's where the fruit comes. But if we're always doing what we're doing without him, we're not living in him. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So if you're going to do it like that, if you're going to go back to the old customs, and we have Christians today that are going back to the Hebrew roots, well, you better be perfect. You better do everything in that law. I want to see those borders, those Hebrew borders around your shirts. I want to see you not, if you're eating pork, oh, you're caught. You're done. It says do the whole law. You're going to do, do one thing in the law, do the whole law. Now, is the law done away with? No, now the law is being fulfilled in us. The only way I can have the law fulfilled in me is if I fulfill myself in him and abide in the vine. The vine starts to bring the fruits, not like Shane has preached before, not just the fruits of the spirit, like joy, peace, righteousness. Th- those are fruits, but then we start to, there's even more, there's even other fruits, like doing, like seeking God. That's a fruit, like, like, Preaching by the Spirit, that's a fruit. That shows me I've been in with God. Not preaching by the flesh. Just because they preach doesn't mean they're of God. They better be preaching with oil. They better be preaching in the power and, and fire of the Holy Ghost. Or else it's not of God. Or else it's them. It may not be the devil. It may just be them. But I start to bear all these fruits because I'm being rooted in the one that makes up all the fruits, that created the fruit. He created fruit, and now he can create the fruit in you. He created the watermelons, the bananas. He created all those things. He created love, joy, peace, righteousness. So how can you start to, how can you bear those things without the creator? He'll create it in you if you submit to the creator. That's the only way. Every second, every minute, that's the trick of this message. In him we live, breathe, and have our being. So if we start to live in him, but then we start to live by him, the man in this world, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is my, my spirit, man. Greater is the spirit in me than my flesh, the one that I see, the physical man in this world, the old man. Now you can even say, greater is he. Greater is, is me inside of him because now I have all power and authority in him. Greater is that new man, that old things have passed away and all things have become new. See, some of you are like, Ooh, that's hard to swallow. Well, maybe just shows your well's a little shallow because when you start to get deep, you start to actually start, you start to receive the deep things of God. Paul said he couldn't even talk about certain things. He couldn't even get away from the milk of the word, still laying the foundation, how labor sin for him. Lay the foundation again. Listen, you know, this is sin. That's what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. How many times has he got to lay it? Because they're not, they're still corn. They're still living in the flesh. That's it. And you won't understand it. You won't ever be able to do it unless you do it by the one who can do it. All these things are not possible with man, but everything, all things are possible with God. All things. You, see, you're going, trying to fulfill the word, and you're like, it's not possible. I've tried. I've been doing. I'm striving. But it says strive for this one thing to rest. But all things are possible in him. Right here, when I'm in, when I'm in him, that's when all things start to become possible. That's when I start to see the strength and I start to look, I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? 
I, that thing always conquers me, and I don't even want to do it. What, what happened? Oh, she just said that, and I always got offended by But I don't even care, actually. Huh. All things are possible through him. No, you can't do it. No, you can't overcome it. You are an overcomer in the overcomer of the world. Christ has become of no effect in you. No effect. The power. Christ is the power. For you can have a form of godliness, you can have a form of Christ, but deny the power still. Because it's a Christ in your mind and not a Christ that lives inside of you, that the kingdom of God is inside of you. See, we create a Jesus of our own making. We create a kingdom of our own making. Well, he does this and he acts like this, but you actually start to create a Jesus of your own making because it's how you are. You conform it to who you are. Well, I, I don't like pie. So God doesn't like pie. Just saying. I know God, you know. Well, God doesn't like that person because I don't like that person. But then you start to see, when you start to create that God in you, you start to see it doesn't line up with the word. What do you mean God can't? Well, God doesn't love everybody. Well, it's, well you're not loving everybody because you, you, have, you think God doesn't, like these legalistic preachers, they say God doesn't, God hates sinners. He hates them. But the word says he loves them. Doesn't mean he comes in agreement with them. It's not that type of love in the flesh where we, he compromises. He loves them. See, that's, that, it doesn't even agree with the word. Because for God so loved the world, well, he wasn't talking about the planet. He wasn't talking about the systems. For God so loved the world, he loved the people. He loved the, cre cre the creatures that he created because he meant them for him. And he meant himself for you that they would be saved. So don't tell me God hates sinners. He hates the sin, but he loves, he loves them. So if he hated sinners, then why would Jesus sit down with the tax collector? And then you have the other side. Don't start telling me that Jesus sat down with the tax collector because he was trying to straighten out his taxes. Don't tell me that he sat down with the bar owner because he wanted a shot. No. People saying that Jesus sat down with these people because he was just fellowshipping them and just loving on them. No. He was not, had no agreement with them. He was trying to pull them, convince them out of their sin by the Spirit. Didn't go in there. Maybe he didn't go in there and say, with the whip like he did with the Pharisees. But see how he has to use the whip for the Pharisees? He doesn't have to use it for the regular Gentile sinner. For the Pharisees, he has to do the whip because they are so blind because they think they're serving God. That's why religion is the worst thing because you think you're done, you're sealed, you're going, you're of God. Then there's no repentance for you ever. Then you even start to justify your sin because you think you're in God. But those that are not in God, they know. I'm like, yeah, I'm a piece of trash. I know. I, I'm... I'm doing this, I'm doing that, yeah, I need help, but now, will they pick God, or will they pick NNA, will they, who knows, but at least they have a better chance than them, because you say you can see, you stay, you remain blind, but the world knows, they see, they're, they're, not, doing, they're not right, so that's why it's actually easier to save, that's why it was easier to save the Gentile than, and that's why they were like, how can you, Paul, go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel, it's only for the Israel, actually, Hey, Peter, it's actually a lot easier than trying to convince these people all in the temple all day. Come on, guys, just get it right. You don't need the circumcision. Paul all day even said he went in the temple all day trying to convince them. But then when he went to the Gentiles, like, you're right. I'm, I'm such, they were even, didn't even want it because they're like, I'm such a sinner. How can I have this? This is too great. See, that's the attitude God is looking for. Not the one that's there. Be, not the one that's there. God, I've done it all. I'm 
sowing, I'm reaping, I'm tithing, I'm doing this, I'm that, and the third. But it's no, it's the one that's like, no, I need you, God. I'm, I, I, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. No, that's the one he's looking for. That's why it's so easy because they are the hungry. They are the poor in spirit. They are the ones who, who know they need saving and need a savior. That's when the savior is available for those who need a savior. All those who cry out unto the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Not all of those who cry out unto their own Jesus. For we through the, and it doesn't matter, Jews, but now we have Christians doing the same thing, but they just call it Christ, doing their own thing, have their own kingdom, and put Christ's label on it, and put the kingdom of God, put a scribble, kingdom of God, but it's not. It's their own kingdom. It's their own Christ. And then they make you feel weird, and they make you feel like you're not doing right. They make you feel like you're not in the spirit because of what they will even pull the scriptures out and be like, says it right here in the Word. No, sir. No, sir. You don't even know what's written because you don't know the one who wrote it. You can read all day. I know people that read the Bible all day and they justify themselves and say it and, and they won't tell it to you. They may say, I've been great, saved by grace through faith, but really they're justifying themselves by their Bible readings and their Bible prayers and their biblical prayers or their little uh, devotion that they do in the morning. I don't care. You better be devoted to Him. You better stop doing that devotion. If you're led by the Spirit, do it, but you better start being devoted to him. That's the devotion that I do, is I devote myself to him, not devote myself to it. It says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But the letter will start to have life when I'm in this living by the spirit of life. See, you got to go to the, you got to go to, you got to go to the one that wrote it to be, to have it. Then when you go to the one that wrote it, he starts to write it on you. He starts to take the pen again. All right. Right on the heart. And you start to live it. That's the power of the Spirit of God. That's, that's why it says, turn away from those that have a form of godliness, but deny the power. I don't care how big their form of godliness, I don't care if they're mighty like David in a form of godliness, but they have no power, resist them. I don't care how holy they seem to be. I don't care how, how much they, they claim to know, what, they don't watch TV, what, they don't eat unleavened bread, what, they don't, you know, they don't go to the movies, big deal. Where is the power? Show me. Show me the fruit or you have no root. Show me the fruit or show me the fruit that you actually have so that I can see that it's from another root. You're rooted now in the root of all evil. Now, oh, you, are, you're, you do all this, but all you worry about is money? All you worry about is this? Well, maybe you're not saved. You're, that's why things are being exposed. People that said that made little Christians feel intimidated and not want to come onto God because they were, it was so so pushy or so just they, they can feel the flesh. They can feel the thorns and thistles. You think you're, put, you're, you think you're putting out the fruit, but you're actually scratching people. And then when you, when you start to minister by the flesh, you start to minister by your, your religious spirit, you, you start to feel. You can, if you're a spiritual person, you recognize things. You can start to feel. It's like claws on your spirit. It's like, a, it's like when, you know, when you went in grade school and that, late, that one old lady with the, with the, with the chalkboard. You're like, oh, Father. You start to feel it, grind your teeth, and it's like, oh, man. But when it's the Spirit, it's like that little dry erase board, like, whoosh, whoosh. because the Spirit is life. If anything else is death. I don't care if it puts his, God's name on it. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise mine, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment. Whosoever be, because obviously somebody was coming around and giving them all these Jewish things again. And God's like, 
Don't worry about it because God's going to deal with it. Paul's like, God's going to deal with them. They'll be troubled. They're being a troublemaker in the kingdom. I don't care if I'm being a troublemaker for God, but I care if I start to be a troublemaker, an offense, and a stumbling block to the children of God, God's going to start to deal with me. God's going to start to deal with people. Even in this day, when things are coming so close and we're coming to that point of revival, God's going to start dealing with people because he needs to just get them out the way because they're going to be an offense to the kingdom of God. They're going to get in the way. He's trusting us and trusting us to always be in that wind tunnel of the Spirit. He's trusting us to always do things by his steps. He's trusting us to lean not on our own understanding and lean. That's why there's so many things that we're going through. Like Shane was talking earlier in this message. You should listen to that message about being. He's putting us through the pressure cooker that we would be conformed to his ways. So that when the time is come to bring the way, we won't get in the way. When it's come time to bring the way of salvation, we won't start to bring our own form of salvation. Oh, get saved. By you, two, one minute you were preaching, get saved. Jesus shall save you, but now you're preaching. You better, stop doing, you better start doing the Hebrew roots. You better start doing this. You better get in your Bible and read Psalm 7. Like, it's, it can happen like that. That's why every day we need to live in Him. Every day it needs to, we, it's not something, all right, now we're at church. Let's get in the spirit. No, you should have woke up. You should have been sleeping. You should have been living. You should have been living in him like the Bible says. In him we live and breathe all the time. We're in the spirit all the time. Everywhere we go, when I'm on the grocery store, I'm in the spirit. When I'm at, I don't, it doesn't matter, across the street. If I'm down the block, I'm getting ice cream. I'm getting here. I'm living in him. And then you start to see that when you're actually living in him, even when you're outside of a church building, because that's the mindset we put ourselves in, you actually start to get that pep in your step again. You actually start to get that fire again. And then you actually start to realize, wow, I haven't ministered to a lost soul in a while. And I feel the unction now. Now, I, wow, yeah, I have a word of knowledge for you. Boom, boom, boom. Then you start to see things happen everywhere you go. You start to see the anointing in, in, in places you would not think the anointing would be to save the lost, whatever the case may be. But the devil doesn't care if you're at church or you're at work. If he sees an opening where you're not in the spirit, he's going to come right in and pound you. And you're going to be like, what the heck? I don't even know what happened. I don't even know. How did I get here, God? Because you stopped, you ended in the flesh. Don't end in the flesh. Don't end, but live by the one who can make it all possible. We're almost done. And if I, and I brethren, if, I, if he preached circumcision, which... Why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased? I would they even be cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, I have called you on to deliver the only use, not your liberty for an occasion of the flesh. And people think because now they've been delivered from the law of sin and death, now they can do what they want. And you have churches doing what they want. People come in, preach this doctrine, preach that doctrine, bring this spirit, bring that spirit. It's all out of order because they think any type of order is control. Any type of order is religion, but it's actually not. There, well, there, there is control by man, but that's, what, that's the deciding factor. Is it man or is it God? Now, there's men. No man can teach me, but actually, if it's God leading the man, it's God. And if you resist that man that's being led by God, you're actually resisting God. No, no man by the flesh. Because if the man is being led by the spirit, it's God. And, but see, that's the thing. Carnal Christians, carnal people, they will not know if it's the spirit of God or not. So they will always deny it if it doesn't come in agreement with their, with their perception. Your own perception is deception. 
Your own perception will always get you in trouble. Your own perception will always make you see things wrong and always make the right things seem wrong and the wrong things seem right. You will always see backwards. You will always be moved by the slide of man's hand. You will always be moved by winds of doctrines because it is by the discerning of spirits. You need to know what doctrine, what spirit, what revelation is coming from God because there's even fake revelation that comes from ministers and it's all over America, all over the place, even around the world, bringing revelation and everybody in the room goes, whoa. But it's like, really? What, what? Like, I don't get it because it's, only, like Shane says, it's information, it's not revelation. It's revelation actually starts to make the word flesh in me. It starts to actually reveal Christ in me. It starts to remove the veil over, see, we've been, got the veil moved, not removed now from us, but there's also a sense, because now we, the veil is blocking us from God. Now we're, we, we can talk to God. Now God is spirit. Now he lives in us. Now the way we live in him is we live in, he lives in our spirits. We, we are moved by the spirit. We think by the spirit. But that's the thing. It, it all has to be governed by the Spirit. Or else anything else is death. Anything else. Now, the works of the flesh. For the flesh, for the flesh, oh, walk. Then I say, 16, this I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that ye cannot do the things that you want to do that your flesh wants to do. Your you don't want to do what your flesh wants to do? What does it say? Walk in the spirit. It's simple. But if ye are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. See, but like I was saying before, I, I kind of lost my thought. There. But when we're actually, when we, we see, it's, there's not, it's not now, there's no law, so now I do what I want. Now it's, it's the Spirit of God. God himself has become our law now. Now by the Spirit in him, in him we live and breathe. I'm gonna, it's, that's the basis of this, this teaching or this preaching. In him we live and breathe and have our being. Now the only way I can, I, I can start to fulfill the law in my life or the law of God. It says, I am carnal, sold under sin, but the law is spiritual. And the only way I can start to fulfill that is every day living in him, every day moving by him, every day thinking like him, every day talking to him and hearing him talk to me and doing what he says and obeying his commands. His commands are not just what he says in the Bible. He's giving you commands every day. Go here, go there, buy this, buy that. Don't do this. Don't talk to that person. Go here. Those are commands too. I don't care if you obey the commands in the Bible. Well, I'm not doing adultery. I'm not, I, I feel like I love people. I feel like I love God. You see, you don't even know. When you're in the flesh, you're like, I don't even, I think, I think I'm doing that. When you're in the spirit, you know, you start to know all things even about yourself. It says, you, it says that we're called to judge ourselves. But we're not called to judge ourselves by the flesh. We're called to judge ourselves. The spirit starts to reveal what's in us. We don't even know our own hearts. That's, it actually, there's a verse that talks about, that. I think it's in Psalms. But it says God knows the heart. The man cannot know, man cannot know the heart of a man. Who can know? Oh, no, that's what it is. Who can know the heart of a man except the one? I, and I say it like this. Who can know the heart of a man except the one that created the man? Who can know the heart of the man except the one that knows all things, except the one that can see all things? The carnal can never see inside. It can only see on the outside. But God knows the heart. And God knows who you're hanging around. God knows who's, who's next to you. And God knows what they're about. And if he wouldn't put you with people that are going to stab you, that are going to 
turn on you. He's going to put you with people because he knows the heart. When God tells somebody to go somewhere or be with this person, he knows the heart. He knows the intentions. And he's also Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning for the end. He's know, he knows what's going to happen next. That's why we need to start trusting him. We cannot talk about Alpha and Omega anymore. We need to start living, start living by Alpha and Omega. We need to start living that I, God knows when he, he's leading me and I'm going to trust him because I know he knows what's going to happen. See, we get in this place of uncertainty because we don't know. We're trying to control our life. See, we're not even meant to be controlling our own life. Do you know that? You can actually Jezebel yourself. Do you know that? Your flesh actually starts to become a Jezebel to Elijah, your spirit. Never heard that one before, but it's the truth. Your flesh wants to Jezebel and control your life. You have a Jezebel problem because you have a Jezebel problem governing your own life. Your Jezebel's using your flesh to govern your life, and then you start to want to control other people's lives. You, the fruit of that personal thing, you start to, then that's what, that's why you're starting, you still want to control other people because you're still trying to control this life. You're trying to control what happened. You're trying to control people from hurting you. You're trying to control people from rejecting you, but you need to let him be in control because he is. He said, I am. I am the Savior. I am the enemy before the beginning. I can make a fire appear in the wilderness. I can make a cloud by day. I can make the seas part. I can make manna rain from the wilderness. That's why he was always saying that. Didn't I do Listen, this is scary. The fact that they were in the wilderness and they forgot all the things that God just did for them. Miracles that you haven't even seen, that maybe I haven't even seen. Things raining down from the sky. Some of us, I feel like some of us don't even really like, we struggle with it. Like, did that really happen? Yeah, it did. And two seconds later, they were in unbelief. That's the fear. You better get the fear of the Lord. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, something's wrong with you. Because that's like, that's mind-blowing that you can see God manifest like that. But it says, blessed is the one that doesn't even, that, that does not have to see to believe. That the one that even believes and then sees. Not the one that has to see to believe. See, real, that, that's what God's, that's why he's put such great glory in us and has given us such great cloud of witnesses because he's put something in us that helps us believe. You actually, do you actually know? Let's skip down to uh, 21. It talks about the, it talks about the uh, works of the flesh. You can actually call it the fruit of the flesh. But then right after that, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. And one of the fruits of the spirit that I actually forgot or realized is actually in here. I'm like shocked, like, holy cow, this is in here. Spirit is, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. The faith of God. You start to actually have faith when you're in the Spirit. When you're in Him. When you breathe in Him. When you live in Him. You start to live radical. The times that I remember of my personal life, when I always lived by the Spirit, it was times that I was always bold. It was times that I was always... See, boldness is even... It says bold as... The lion, as, as a lion, as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And now we actually get to partner and be coheres with that boldness when we start to submit to the lion. But now that lion is in spirit. God is spirit. Now that we start to, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But actually, God told me, really, you cannot have truth separated from, from the spirit. You cannot be in the spirit and say, and, but have no truth. If you're in the spirit and you have no truth, you're either wrestling with the spirit of God or you're actually in another spirit because it calls him the spirit of truth worship him in spirit and in truth and why does it say spirit first rather than truth it doesn't say truth and spirit it says 
spirit and truth because God is spirit. But God actually starts to renew your mind. When you're in the spirit, he takes over. He starts to feed you. He starts to guide you. He starts to, and the truth is forming and forming and forming and conforming you into his image. And you start to actually bear witness with the truth inside of each other. See, the reason why you can hear somebody speak truth one day and bear witness, and then the next day not, not bear witness to what they're saying, and they could, it could actually all be from God, is because now you're not in him, you're in you. Now you're, maybe the past couple days you've been living in the flesh, something happened. See, the devil, everything the devil's doing, all the distractions, all the stumbling blocks, all the sin, the sin that so easily entangles me. So I'm walking with the lamp, I'm walking with the Spirit of God, and here's the rope, the sin, or the little string. The sin that so easily entangles me and he's trying to get me to give up that lamp. He's trying to get me to no longer see by him, no longer live in him, no longer live by him, no longer breathe by him, no longer breathe in him. And then I'm like, then I start to go in darkness. I'm like, what? Then you drop the lamp and, it's, and it breaks and you're just getting, you're in darkness now. Now you, you were once on fire, Christian, once this, but now I, I need to spit you out of my mouth, God says. Because you are no longer cold nor hot. You are lukewarm now because you're in darkness. Because if you could see, you would follow the fire, the lamp. See, back in the day, see, we have these electric lamps now. But back then, it was a fire in the lamp. And it guided them. And now, the fire in the lamp is in us. And now, it guides us. Every, every, every trip wire, every stumbling block. And even if we trip, we still hang on to the lamp. And what? If I fall with the lamp, but I don't let it go... I can get up and be like, okay, I'm, here's the lamp still guiding me. Here's the lamp still getting me out of the ditch. Okay, you fell in a ditch, great. A righteous man falls seven times, but the light, the lamp keeps him back on the way. God guides his steps. Meekness, temperance. See, all these fruits, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You want to love more? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Your own love, I said this on Wednesday, I think. Your own love is false love. You try to love on your own, you're not going to do it. It's not going to be genuine. It's going to be counterfeit all the time. Why can certain people love more than others? Maybe because other people are abiding in more than them. Maybe other people have been with God and you haven't. Maybe other people have been in their own thoughts and eating the fruit of their own thoughts and not eating the fruit of his thoughts. When I start eating the fruit of his thoughts, when I start eating his thoughts... I eat the fruit and the seed starts to come into my belly and the word is like a seed, right? And it gets in the soil and it starts to produce. And then the plant comes in. But if I'm hard ground, see the hard ground is the one that doesn't even eat of him. The hard ground is the one that wants to stay like it is and not let something break it inside. Let something come and break it. The, the one that, the ground is, is below, right? And something from above has to come and break it. Nothing can break unless something came out. I'm just talking about a parable. Something, see, when you go break the ground, you have to, something has to come and in and do it. But we're not letting God, we're, we keep trying to do it on our own. We need to start letting what's above guide what's within. But really, what's above is actually within. So we actually start to, re, re, we actually have to start to receive from within and start to let it change the mind. You take, your, you take the thoughts and you start taking it to the kingdom of God within you. Yeah, and God actually, and God told me this. You, he said, you need to feed the fire. Because what does a fire need? The fire, a fire needs wood, right? Yeah. To continue burning. You can have so much wood on it, it can, it can be burning hot. But if you stop supplying that fire, and that was like the word I got in Brazil a uh, year ago or whatever it was, it was called wax. And God was even showing me 
How, you actually you want to be on fire? Well, your flesh is like the, is, is, the, is the wood that the fire wants to burn. So you start taking the carnal thoughts. You start taking all these things. You start to submit it to him. It's, what does it say? It says God is a fire. God is the oil. God is the thing. God is, God is those things. When it's the oil, it's God. When it's the fire, it's God. When it's, but we need to actually start to feed the fire, stir ourselves up in the Holy Maybe another way to stir yourself up in the Holy Ghost is to actually put your flesh on the altar. Maybe it's actually to start putting the things that are trying to come in your mind, the decisions you're trying to make on your own, and start to give it to him, and, you, and the fire starts to quicken your mortal body. See, everybody in this room, I'm sure, knows the quickening that the fire of God starts to do. When it's stirred up, when God's starting to burst out of you, you, start to, you, you get this radical thing, you get this bold thing. But many of us have stopped stirring the flame, but sometimes the flame needs some material to burn. And that flame is after your flesh. So actually, that should actually be encouraging because when, I, when I'm dealing with fleshly things or carnal things, I should actually be so encouraged to be like, oh, here's another thought I can throw right in the fire. Get the fire moving. I want to get the fire moving. You want to get the fire moving? You want to be on fire today? Well, throw it all in the fire now. Shake it off in the fire like, he, like Paul shake the, Shane has a message on it. Shake it off in the fire. Shake the carnal thoughts. Shake the, the fleshly desires, the fleshly intentions. Start, you start to give it to him and he starts to, he starts to stir your spirit. It starts, to mortify, it starts to mortify the deeds of the flesh. It starts to burn things out. It says the Holy Spirit and fire. The fire starts to consume your flesh. What do you think the fire is for? A religious system always says, and, I, I'm, and that's part of it, whatever. Oh, the fire is for you to be excited for God. No, how about the fire is actually to purge out the things that are not of God? No, the fire is actually here to actually bring the impurities to the surface and burn them out and get rid of them. That's why, like, like it goes with exactly what Shane's message today. That's why it actually starts to, it feels like you, it starts to put you, the fire actually is like, he says, I think he said it like this, but it's like a pressure cooker. It starts to put you through things. It starts to conform you. It starts to, you don't even know why you're going things, through things, but it, it actually says, think it no strange thing when you, face diverse temptations and, and all these tribulations and trials and, and whatever you're going through because it's actually meant to get you submitted. It's actually meant to, meant to bring you down. It starts to actually, it's actually meant to bring you heavy to bring you lower. You have a heavy burden, well, actually let yourself come lower that he may raise you up. Then you start to actually feel that burden being lifted because he starts to lift it up. But you have to let the burden go. You have to let that, that cross that you're trying to pick up, that's not the cross of Christ, and throw it in the fire and watch it burn. Watch your spirit burn. Peace, long-suffering. You can't... I can go through this all day. I'm not going to go through it because it's going to be long, but long-suffering. You can't deal with somebody's flesh or somebody has issues or whatever, and you need to long-suffer, and it's not time to say something, or, it's not, or God's not dealing with it yet or whatever, and you can, but you can't stand it. Your flesh is always going to get mad at somebody's flesh. Flesh fights against flesh. There's no unity in the flesh. You're not at unity with your brother or sister because you're in the flesh, they're in the spirit, or you're both in the flesh and there's no unity there either. But there's always unity in the spirit. There's always peace in the spirit. There's always joy in the, in the spirit. But he says, be at peace for I have overcome the world. Because he's saying even when the world starts to shake and bake and things start to happen, you will still be at peace if you're in me. Because I am peace. There's no, don't try to get peace I'm peace. Come and buy oil, oil from me. Come and buy um, gold tried in the fire. He's saying, come and, come and 
allow my spirit to do a work in you. And I will start to work on you. And I will start to work in you. And I will start to work through you. And you will start to touch the nation. You, I will, and he says, my, your pro, my promise to you, your pro, my promise to every single one of my sheep is to, is to inherit the nations. It says, uh, go, go read that even in the Old Testament. Ask of me and I will give you the nations. This is, that's, that's actually the fruit. That's actually the greatest fruits of dying. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they are Christ, and they that are of Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, if they that are in Christ, what? I actually didn't even see it like that before. They that are in Christ have, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If, if, everybody say if. Yeah. What was it earlier with no condemnation? If you walk not after the flesh and walk after the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be, this is all the same thing, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. But what did he say earlier? You're envying one another. You have the vainglory because you're carnal. But the, the the only opposite of carnal is spiritual, and I need to be in the Spirit to be spiritual. We need to be spiritual people because we are fighting a spiritual fight. We try to actually, it says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we start using our flesh and blood to fight against spirits and principalities and powers that are spiritual. But we can only tear them down with the power of the, of the Spirit. I don't want to pray without the Spirit anymore. Because if I, if, or if I, if I pray and, and I don't want to pray, that's, this is actually what I'm, it's actually, I don't want to pray without power, plain as it is. I don't want to play, pray without no effect. I don't want to preach without no effect and no power. I don't want to preach without the oil. That should be your heart and your desire. But how can we preach in, without power? Even if people resist, we can still preach in power. It says, let your peace return to you. And you can even actually, that's actually like a, a literal thing. When you start to preach to people that reject you, that res, are resisting the truth, you actually start to feel your, the peace and the presence come back to you instead of it, it being given. See, if you're spiritual, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, if you're always carnal, then you're not going to know, understand this. But you actually start to feel the peace. You actually start to feel the power come back to you. And you start to know they're resisting. But still preaching in the power of God. We can't blame the people all the time. Well, it was the people that, as to why it was not powerful. Well, maybe they didn't feel the power, but maybe you should. Well, were you preaching in, by the power of God? Were you preaching by the, by the oil? Were you preaching by the fire? Or were you preaching on your own? Because you can be preaching all week or you can be preaching all year by the Spirit, with power, signs and wonders, whatever, I don't, go on and on. But then the next day, you try to do it in, the, in your own strength, in the flesh. And, the, and it's like, what happened? But it's the truth. It's the same thing I've always preached. It's the same thing I've, I've said before. But it's without God now. Because in Him you live and breathe. So, Father, right now, we just thank you, Father, for this message. I can go on all day with it. I can go on, I can go on layer upon layer. There was like four, other, three other scriptures that I had. But I thank you, Lord, that you are giving us enough to edify us and to empower us and to charge us into the next season. And it's for this reason that you died, Father, that you would live in us and that we would live in you. In him we live and have our being. In him is life. In Him is peace. In Him is joy. In Him do I reap the fruit of the new creation root that's inside of me. In Him 
Am I, am, I, am I firmly planted in Him? Do I not waver in Him? Do I have belief in Him? Do I have faith? Everybody stand up. Shake off the dust today. Shake off everything you did yesterday. Shake off the things you've been going through this season, all, all, all of last season or whatever it was. It's time to shake it off in the fire. It's time to shake it off and let God start to lead you. It's time to leave it at His feet. I want everybody to, come, to go to God right, even right now after we f- close here. You need to start to leave things at His feet. You need to start to leave things and give it to the fire within you. And then He'll start to, then he'll start to actually break. If it's, it's, there's things that God just gets rid of and says, boom, deliverance. And then there's things where He has to untangle things and show you and say, no, what you were seeing, what you were thinking was not this way. You, it was a twisted thinking. It was Leviathan. It was the carnal mind. And then he starts to break it apart and rightly divide the word of truth, but also rightly divide the happenings and events of truth in your life. Because we need to see the truth not only in the word, we need to see the truth presently before us, inside of each one of us, but it's by the spirit of truth. You cannot see truth. The spirit is the eye solvent on my eyes that helps me see the truth. I can do this all day and say, eye solvent, be done. Snap my fingers, no. I, there's eye solvent. There's all the eye solvent that you need when you're in the Spirit. All the eye solvent, solvent that you need when you're living in Him, when you're guided by Him, when you're letting Him, let, even when you're letting your thoughts and your mind be led by Him. I don't want to just be let my body led. I want my mind to be led by Him. I want my heart to be led by Him. Because in Him we live and we breathe. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.